Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Sound off for Chesterfield. Chesterfield, first with premium quality and best for you. Chesterfield brings you Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to auto theft detail. You get a call from a truck rental service. One of their trucks has disappeared. There's no sign of the man who rented it. Your job, find him. ahead of them all. Chesterfield is years ahead of them all. The quality contrast between Chesterfield and other leading brands is a revealing story. Recent chemical analyses give an index of good quality for the country's six leading cigarette brands. The index of good quality table, which is a ratio of high sugar to low nicotine, shows Chesterfield quality highest. Chesterfield quality highest. 15% higher than its nearest competitor. Chesterfield quality, highest. 31% higher than the average of the five other leading brands. Yes, Chesterfield is first with premium quality in both regular and king size. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield. documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Monday, April 20th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of auto theft detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Nelson. My name's Friday. I was on my way into the office, and it was 8.02 a.m. when I got to room 40. Auto theft. Hi, Frank. Hi. Where'd you get the sunburn? Went fishing yesterday. Yeah? Where'd you go? Down Newport. How'd you do? Didn't. What do you mean? I didn't. Yesterday's the first day off we've been able to collect for a month. Yeah, I know. Last Thursday, I checked with a skipper. Said it looked like I'd be able to make it sure this weekend. Mm-hmm. So I called a place. I made reservations. All set. Going to go fishing. Yeah. Saturday night, I got all my tackle out. Took my reel apart. Cleaned it. All ready. Faye packed a lunch. Real good. Mm-hmm. I'm all set. 
get up at 4.45 in the morning. I drove down to Newport. Beautiful morning. Joe. Yeah. Sun shining. Little wind, you know. Really looking forward to it. Going to be a real day off, you know. Mm-hmm. Get down there, get on the boat. Not many people, maybe 15 or 20. Yeah, not many for a Sunday, was it? No, that's why I think I got it made. I got a place right at the back of the boat, and we shoved off. I went down to get some breakfast. You know, load up and really pull those fish in. Yeah. Yeah, I got to eating. Went up on deck. Where do you suppose we were? Well, I wouldn't know. I'll take a guess. Frank, I wouldn't have the least idea. All right, where were you? Right back at the dock. What? Yeah. Right back at the dock. They'd gone out to the ocean, and the water was so rough, they turned around and came right back. And all the while, I'm down below having breakfast. I didn't even see the ocean. Oh, well, that's too bad, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Picked up my tackle when I were fished on the pier. After all day. Ate my lunch and fished all day. Well, how'd you do there? Pretty good, huh? All day, just getting a blister on my lip from the sun. I just sat there. Yeah, well, did you catch anything? How'd you do? Skunk. Huh? Skunk, nothing. You mean you didn't catch anything at all? Oh, a couple of little perch. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, it's too bad. Did you check the book? My day off. I'm stuck. I get it. Auto theft, Friday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when did it go out? Yeah, just a minute. All right, what's that address again? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll be right there. You bet. All right. Get your hat. Yeah? Truck rental company out on Pico. Guy came in Saturday and rented a two-ton from him. Yeah. Said he'd be back in a couple hours. Uh-huh. They haven't seen him since. <laughs> 8.24 a.m. We drove out to the address of the Coventry U-Drive truck service. The lot was on the corner of Pico Boulevard and Cambridge Street. Along the front of the place were several panel and pickup trucks, and in the back of the yard was one large stake truck. The office was in a small wooden building at the rear of the lot. We went in and talked to the manager, Mr. Stephen Cole. I tried to check him this morning when the truck wasn't back. Once the landlady said she saw him come home with the truck set, she hasn't seen him since. What's the man's name, Cole? The name he used when he rented the truck was uh, George Summers. Did he have any identification? Yeah, he had a driver's license. I got the number here on the slip. Oh, here it is. The California license. you got to have one to rent a truck. Uh-huh. He signed his name uh, George R. Summers. number on the license was uh, W414626. Sick, huh? Mm-hmm. What kind of a truck was it? A new Ford. Just got a couple weeks ago. Brand new. What color was it? Blue, light blue. Had the name Coventry painted on the side. Name's in the cream color. What kind of a truck is it? Two-ton steak. Was it possible that this Summers is just keeping it out longer than he said he would? Possible, but it isn't likely. Said when he came in, he wanted to haul a load of furniture. Said he just needed a couple of hours. That was Saturday morning. We haven't heard a word from him since. I got Red out looking for it now. Who's Red? Works for me. Oh, I see. Uh, when a truck is late getting back, we usually call first and send one of our men out to check on it. Uh, Red drove over to see the Summers. He left about an hour ago. I haven't heard from him yet. Oh, I see. Do you get a deposit on the truck? Yeah, we do. Some of the places don't, but we get one. Twenty bucks. Uh, the Summers pay cash? No, he gave me a check. I haven't had a chance to deposit it yet. I'll call the bank later. Uh-huh. Can you give us a description of the man? Well, not very good. I was out in the yard when he came in. I didn't handle the deal myself. I got a look at him, but not good. Would you know him again at the song? be hard to say. I couldn't be sure. The girl would, though. She wrote out the papers. I wonder if we could talk to her. Yeah, she'll be in at nine. You can talk to her then. You got his address there? I'll see if I can check the name. Yeah. Uh, oh, here it is. 2462 New Jersey Street. Okay. 
Can you give us some kind of a description on him? Well, I told you I didn't get a good look at him. He's a small fellow, blonde, maybe 25 or 26 around in there. Mm-hmm. That's about the best I can do. Excuse me a minute. Yeah. Governor, you drive. Yeah, how big? Oh, sure, we got one, yeah. Wait a minute, I'll check. Hey, just a minute. Uh, run you 210 the first hour, dollar twenty-five an hour after that. Mm-hmm. No, there's gas in it when you get it, that's right. Oh, you pay for the gas, all right? Well, there's a $20 deposit. That's right. Well, you get it back. California driver's license. Right. Coal. C-O-L-E. Okay, bye. All right, if I use the phone there? Oh, sure, help yourself. Thanks. Pretty busy, you're right? Yes, sir. Once in a while, we get kind of slow, but it seems like everybody's moving or something all the time. They're back ready to try. Yeah, two six, two six. Got three other places, you know, around town. Mm-hmm. Hi there, it's Officer Frank Smith, two six three three. Mm-hmm. Could you check the name George R. Summers, please? Well, he's described as WMA twenty three to twenty seven. Flight bill. And blonde. No blonde. Possible address is given as 2462. Well, if we could see the check he left his deposit cool. Four, sure, I got a clip on the back of the slip. Yeah. Sure, I'll hang on. Here it is. Uh-huh. That truck is worth about $2,800 as a fan. Oh, well, you carry insurance on it, don't you? Oh, sure, it's covered, but that isn't the point. That guy that just called wants to rent a two-ton stake. Only got two okay, of them. Somebody else yeah, calls, I'm going to lose a rental. That's what grabs okay, you. Thanks. Probably turn out that deposit check isn't any good either. I'm not all the way around. Mm-hmm. How about it, Frank? Well, I can't be sure. We've got a record on the George R. Summers. It might be it. Address is different, but out of six cards, it's the closest. Done time for possession. What's he mean, possession? It's narcotic. Oh. So how about it? Do you want it now? No, nothing on him. Can you give us the license number of the truck? Yeah, it's right here. I got the body motor serial number two. Lousy phone. Hey, here's a slip. You can copy the dope yourself. Thank you. Cover you, drive. Yeah. Is he there? Uh-huh. You tell me to get right down here. Yeah, you bring him. Right. Well, that's it. Huh? Call us from Reddy. Found Summers in his boarding house. Says he's been there since Saturday night. How about the truck? According to what he told Reddy, he left it out in front of the house Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Came back, it was gone. 9.14 a.m. The owner of the truck rental service called the bank that the deposit check had been written on. He talked to the cashier and found that there was enough money in Summers' account to cover the check. We got a full description from Cole's secretary of the suspect. A check of the truck company records showed that he'd never rented a truck from them before. 9.46 a.m. Summers arrived at the office of the U-Drive company. We talked with him briefly and asked him to accompany us downtown. We got out a local and an APB on the stolen truck. We checked his fingerprints against the record card and got a positive identification. 10.37 a.m. We took him to the interrogation room. You ever been arrested? You know the answer to that. I'd like to have you tell us. Yeah, I saw. Once did my time. I'm clean. No parole. Want to tell us about this truck deal? Sure, I got nothing to lose. I didn't have anything to do with it. All right, from the beginning. I rented about noon on Saturday. What were you going to use it for? I had to help a friend of mine move some furniture. Now, what's the friend's name? Louise Jordan. Where she live? 2487 Clifford Street. She got a phone? No. Hey, listen, I don't want you guys going around there and giving her a bad time. According to the landlady, it's your place. She saw you drive away from the rooming house in that truck Saturday afternoon. How about it? Yeah, how about it? What do you got to say? She's off a rocker. If she saw anybody, 6-2 and even, it wasn't me. Oh, well, we get it. She was pretty sure. Well, you get it wrong. According to the record, you were picked up for violation of the state narcotics act, is that right? 
I don't like the record. If that's what it says, that's what I fell for. Man, let me see your arm. Why? I want to see your arm. Roll up your sleeve. Come on. Look, I don't like the way you guys are acting. You got nothing on me. If you got anything to say, say it and get it over with. You got nothing? Let me get out Sit of down. here. Sit down. Sit down, Tommy. Come on. Find a roll up your sleeve. Let me see your arm. Not going to prove anything. Roll it up. Now, yeah. looks like you've been riding kind of high. It's not as bad as it looks. A lot of scar tissue. That's from before. They look fresh. When's the last time you had a pop? A long, long time ago. How long? I don't remember. You holding now? No. You got a habit? No. Nothing rough. The joy pop once in a while. You must think you're playing with kids, Summers. Why don't you stop conning us? You look like you're hooked and you know it. You're as bad as my landlady. Frank? Yeah. You want to get in touch with narcotics? See if Roxy can come over. Sure, right away. What's the deal on calling him over? Wait to have him look at your arm, see what he thinks. He'll tell you it's like I said. Well, there's one sure way to find out. What's that? Drop you in a cell and wait. If you haven't got a habit, you won't mind. We're going to hold you anyway. For what? Story about the truck's got too many holes in it. Well, what do you mean? It's true the way I told you. That's the way it happened. You don't believe anything, do you? Yeah, the truth when we hear it. I'm giving you that. You aren't buying it. Maybe it's the way you're trying to sell it. You want to tell us what really happened to that truck? I told you. I parked it out in front of my house. When I came back, it was gone. Isn't anything more? Well, if you were home, how come your landlady says she didn't see you from Saturday afternoon on? I came in the back way. For once, the old bat was looking the other way. You mean you stayed in your room all that time? Yeah, that's what I said. What do you do for a living? You mean, do I work? That's right. No. You don't work, huh? No, I had a job, but I lost when? it. When? Friday. What'd you do? As a pro diver. Where'd you wash dishes? Place down on 6th. Why'd you get fired? Boss and I had a beef. What about? I only got hacked because I came in late. Roxy's on his way over, John. It's Roxy? That, uh, Roxy Lucarelli? Yeah, do you know him? Yeah, I ran into him before. Nice guy treated me right. He's the one that nailed you? He's one of them. I know these joy pops you've had. Where do you get this stuff? Around. Where around? Here and there. Why don't you come off at Summers? You might think you're playing it cozy, but you're laying a big bomb here. The story you're trying to peddle us is phony all the way through. We know it, and so do you. Now, why don't you level on it? Make it a lot easier. I'd like to, cop. Really, I would. There's just one big problem. Yeah. You're off base. You know it. You haven't got anything on me. I rented a truck. It was stolen. I'm the one that reported it. I didn't try to get away. I'm telling you all I know. You're leaning all over me because I fell once. You guys just can't stand to see anyone carry a lunch bucket for long. You got to try to make it for something, even if you have to build it yourself. You made a big mistake this time, cop. You haven't got anything on me that you can stick. All I got to do now is keep my mouth shut and you're up an alley. And that's what I'm going to do. You're not going to get another word out of me. All right, now tell us again about the truck. Come on, what time did you find out it was gone? You tell us that. Did you leave the keys in the truck when you parked it? All right, mister, you're playing it smart. Let's see how long you can make it last. We'll see how it is after you've been sitting in the cell for a few hours. We'll try it again then, huh? I'm going to take my time. You do that. We got a lot of it. Sergeant Roxy Lucarelli came over from the narcotics division to talk to the suspect. Summers would say nothing. The marks on Summers' arm were fresh, and indications were that he was a narcotics user. Summers was booked at the main jail on suspicion of violation of the State Narcotic Act, a felony. Frank and I, along with Sergeant Lucarelli, went over to the suspect's rooming house. A thorough search of the place netted us nothing. We talked with the landlady, and she gave us the same story she'd given the owner of the U-Drive truck service. She said that it was possible for Summers to come in through the back of the house and get to his room without being noticed. But she told us that there'd been several phone calls for him on Sunday and that when she'd knocked on his door, there'd been no answer. 5.30 p.m. We checked back into the office and found that there'd been no replies to the broadcast we'd gotten out on the truck. We ran Louise Jordan, Summer's girlfriend, through R&I, but we found no record on anyone answering her description. We drove out and talked to her, and she verified the suspect's story about moving the furniture. 
A meeting with the district attorney's office decided that there was not enough evidence to bring Summers to court on the narcotics charge and not enough to issue an indictment for the theft of the truck. He was released from custody. In the next three weeks, we got reports of four more trucks being stolen. The M.O. was the same as with the Coventry U. Drive theft. In each instance, the persons involved were checked out, but the leads we came up with led us nowhere. Additional M.O. bulletins were gotten out, warning all operators of U-Drive agencies to be on the lookout for a thief or thieves unknown. Another two weeks passed. The thefts continued, but the thieves had switched their method of operation. They were now stealing privately owned automobiles from parking lots and in front of homes. Thursday, June 4th, Frank and I checked into the office. I got it. Auto theft, Friday. Yeah, now please, put it through. Sal Gaten from San Diego. Yeah? Yeah, hi, Al. Uh-huh. When? Yeah. Will anybody near it? How about papers? Yeah, no, we'll be right down. Yeah, okay. What? Uh-huh. They've been keeping up. Right. Well, maybe it is. No, we'll leave here right away. We'll see in about, uh... Well, let's see, it's 10.20 now. About three hours? About how long it'll take it for. Yeah, bye. Bye, bye, Al. Well, he says that truck from Coventry U-Drive has been found. Where? Just outside Rosarito Beach in Mexico. Yeah. Found new registration papers and something else under the seat. Huh? Twelve bindles of heroin. You are listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. Chesterfield is best for you. Listen to Chesterfield's record. For a full year and two months, a doctor has been making regular examinations of a group of Chesterfield smokers, and he reports no adverse effects to the nose, throat, and sinuses from smoking Chesterfields. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield. First with premium quality in both regular and king size. Chesterfield. First choice with young America. And that's from a survey of 274 colleges and universities. Try Chesterfields today. Remember, Chesterfield is America's best cigarette buy. Ten twenty-five a.m. We talked with Captain Nelson about the latest developments in the case, and he instructed us to leave for San Diego. When we arrived at San Diego, we checked with their auto theft detail and with Sergeant Al Gayton. He went with us to the border. We talked with the authorities at the border, but they could give us little information. They said that they'd received the bulletins we'd sent out, but that they hadn't seen the stolen vehicle. We checked with the authorities at Tijuana, and with them, we drove to the location where the truck had been found. A thorough search of the area was started, but we turned up nothing. None of the people in the immediate vicinity could tell us anything about the truck. From the registration slip, we got the name of the owner. The license plates were issued by the state of California, but a check showed that they'd been taken from a wrecked car. The narcotics found in the cab of the truck were turned over to the Mexican police. The next morning, Frank and I left for Los Angeles. While we'd been gone, officers Bill Donovan and Jack Pilkington, along with Sergeant Al Mansell, had been following up the leads in the Los Angeles area. They hadn't come up with anything new. The car thefts continued. State police units along the road to the Mexican border were alerted, but the cars continued to disappear. Two weeks went by. Tuesday, June 23rd, Frank and I came back from a meeting with members of the National Auto Theft Bureau. Want to check the book? Yeah, I'll get it. 
Well, these thefts are sure dropping our recovery record, aren't they? Yeah. Talked to Skipper this morning. The insurance companies are raising the roof. I figures it's costing them a lot. There's a message here from Judge Shelton wants us to call him. Sheriff's Department? Yeah. Mark the Porton. And you want to get it? Yeah, I'll get it. Judge Shelton there? Yeah, thanks. He's there, sir. Hey, Judge, is Frank Smith over at all of us? Yeah. Well? Why do you think that's it? Yeah. When are you going to meet her? Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll be right over. Right. Goodbye. Anything? Yeah. Judge got a call this morning from a girl. Says she's been invited down to Mexico. Yeah. Says two of them are going down to pick up some heroin. Yeah. Where do we fit in? Girl told Judd they'd be driving a stolen car. We went over to the Hall of Justice and talked with Sergeant Judge Shelton. He told us about the call he'd received. He said that he was supposed to meet the girl at 3.30 that afternoon, and he wanted to know if we wanted to accompany him. We told him we did, and at 3.15 p.m., the three of us walked into a bar on West 7th. We waited for the girl to arrive. 3.46. Here she comes. A blonde? Yeah. Hi, Jen. Sir, I'd like you to meet a couple of friends of mine. Sir Collins, Frank Smith, Joe Friday. How are you? Thank you. Sit down, Barry. Thanks. Can I get you anything? Sandwich, cup of coffee? No. I could use an old-fashioned, though. Tell them to give you a big piece of orange. Okay, I'll get it. Excuse me. Sure. You two guys cops? Yes, ma'am. Where do you work out of? Central Auto Theft. Well, that's why Judd called you, huh? Pardon? About the hot car we're driving south. Yes, ma'am. My name is Vera. Why don't you use that? All right, Vera. You know where the stolen car is, the one they're going to drive down? Not now. I will, though. What do you mean? I don't think it's been stolen yet. What? Well, I don't think the car's been stolen yet. Well, do you know when it's going to be taken? Sometime this afternoon. We're supposed to leave tonight. You know who's going to take it? This friend of mine. A fellow named Harry Sloan. Mm -hmm. Here's your old passenger. Oh, thanks, Judd. You know how this operation's going to work, Vera? No. All I know is I got a call from Harry this morning. He asked me what I was doing. I told him nothing, so he asked me if I wanted to take a drive down to Mexico. I told him I would, and he said he'd pick me up. He's going to pick you up at your house? No. No, he said he'd call me and let me know where to meet him. Well, where's he going to call you? My place in about an hour. What did he say it makes you think the car's going to be stolen? Just the way he talked. Can't say anything real definite. You know, just the way he talked. Do you work alone? No, there's another guy with him. I don't know who it is. What did he say to you about the narcotics? Just said that he was planning to pick up some H down there. Didn't say where. He gave us a description of this alley, where he lives? Yeah, I can give you that. Got a record, do you know? Never talked about it. I think maybe he's been picked up a couple of times, but I don't think he's served time. You said on the phone you had an idea how we could take him. Yeah. You see, I'll have to drive my car to meet them. As soon as I get a call from Harry, I'll get in touch with you and tell you where the meet's going to be. I'll park my car and leave the license number of the stolen car in it. Where? In the back seat. Judd, wouldn't it be a lot easier if we just kept her under surveillance? Might be better for you, but it wouldn't for me. Harry found out I'd been playing footsie with you guys. He'd kill me sure. This is a big operation. It's not just Harry in on it. What do you mean? All those cars that have been stolen lately, uh -huh. the trucks, it's all part of the deal. 
Same bunch is doing it. Oh, you mean it's an organized ring? Huh? Sure. They got it all laid out from here to Ensenada. All the way it's planned. You know who the top man is? No. I never heard the name here. He never used it. Well, they take all the trucks down to Mexico, do they? Hmm? From what I understand, most of them end up down there. You got any idea how they do it? No. What do you want out of this? What? Well, where are you going to come out, Vera? Why are you telling us all this? Judd gave me a break once. This is my way to pay him back. Harry doesn't mean anything to me. I don't care if you get him. Well, I still think we ought to keep you under surveillance. Be safer for you, Vera. Don't worry about it. I'll let you know right where I'm going to park my car. You find that, and I'll see that the other information's there. I better get going now. Well, just a minute. You want to give us a description of Sloan? Sure, I can tell you what Harry looks like. What are you going to do, check up on him? We'd like to know who we're after. I don't think you'll find anything. Be pretty surprised if you do. Not as surprised as he'll be. We got the description of Harry Sloan and called the office to check the name. There was no record of anyone answering his description. Vera Collins was unable to tell us anything about the second man in the operation. She went back to her home and waited for the phone call from Sloan. We returned to the office and waited for her to contact us with the information about the stolen car. At 5.15 p.m., we got a call from her saying that her car would be parked somewhere within a 16-block area, from Washington Boulevard to the north, Adams Boulevard to the south, from Crenshaw Boulevard to the west, and Arlington Avenue to the east. Frank, Judge Shelton, and I drove out to the area and began to cruise the vicinity. We spent the next hour looking for the car. When we were sure that it was not in the designated area, we began to expand our search. At 6.37 p.m., we found the car parked on a small side street near St. Charles Place, 12 blocks outside the designated area. We searched the car and found a slip of paper in the back seat. It said, Chevrolet sedan, blue color, 1C33272. We'll try to stall Harry on way to Tijuana. It was signed Vera. We got out a local and an APB with special attention to the Border Patrol on the car, asking that if it was found abandoned, to place a stakeout on it and to notify us immediately. It was 7.02 p.m. when we started to drive to the Mexican border. We kept in constant radio contact with Sergeant Al Gaten at the border, and he told us that the suspect's car had not crossed over yet. 10.37 p.m., we drove through National City and took the road to Tijuana. Just south of Chula Vista, we picked up a car that matched the description of the stolen vehicle. How about it, Joe? Yeah, it matches. Frank, can you get a little closer? Yeah, I think so. Different license plate, Judge. Probably switched to cold plate. That's why they haven't been spotted before. You see him yet? Yeah, it's the Collins one, all right. Want to take him now? Yeah. I'll get the sign. Doesn't look like they're going to stop. I'll make a try for the tires, Frank. Wait a minute, Joe. Yeah, road's clear ahead. Slowing down. Yeah, they're pulling over. All right, get your hands on that wheel where I can see them. I'll cover the other side. Right. Right. All right, get out of the car. What are you trying to prove with all this shooting? Come on, mister, get out of the car. Come on, you two, get out. I don't know what you're trying to prove. We haven't done anything. Come on, come on, let's don't argue. All right, mister, over to the car. I'll shake him, Joe. You're going to be sorry about this. you got a right to stop us. Stand still. Yeah, he's clean. Turn around. 
You're George Summers, aren't you? Yeah. We picked you up for that stolen truck about six weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah, you had to let me go. You're going to do the same this time. you got nothing to hold me on. Oh, you're wrong there, Summers. Where'd you get this car? I borrowed it. From who? A friend of mine. He knows you took it, huh? Certainly. He told me to. This car's stolen and you know it. We know all about the operation, the whole deal. You're going to stand there alone or you're going to tell us who the big gun is? What do you mean, operation? This isn't the first car you've shoved across the border. We know about the narcotics, too. You're in this all the way. Now, you've got a choice. You can take it alone or you can go along with us and nail the big guy. It's up to you. Wouldn't do any good if I told you who he was. I can't prove anything on him, neither can you. You'll never get him, never. Is that right? Sure, he told me so. Cops will never get me. Those are his words. That's what he said. Well, that's not new. Huh? You said the same thing. The story you've just heard is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. On November 19th, trial was held in Department 89, Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Los Angeles. In a moment, the results of that trial. And now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. Friends, all of us on Dragnet are proud to be associated with Chesterfield because, believe me, Chesterfield is years ahead of them all. You just can't beat a cigarette that was good to begin with and keeps getting better all the time. But, of course, you can't find out how much you'll like them until you try them. That's what we'd like you to do. Try a couple of packs of milder Chesterfield, regular or king size. I know you'll agree that Chesterfield is best for you. George Richard Summers and Harry Alden Sloan were tried and convicted of grand theft auto one count. They received sentence as prescribed by law. Grand theft auto is punishable by imprisonment in the state penitentiary for not less than one, nor more than ten years. Next week, The Big Gun, Part Two. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Frazier. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Jack Crucian, Herb Ellis. Script by John Robinson. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. For a million laughs, tune in Chesterfield's Martin and Lewis show, Tuesday on this same NBC station. And sound off for Chesterfield. Either regular or king size, you'll find premium quality Chesterfield much milder. Chesterfield is best for you. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet transcribed from Los Angeles. Now, new Fatima has the tip for your lips. Fatima tips of perfect cork. King size for natural filtering. Fatima quality for a much better flavor and aroma. So remember, new Fatima has the tip for your lips. Fatima. See how smooth they are. Remember, Fatima is made by the makers of Chesterfield, Liggett and Myers, one of tobacco's most respected names. <laughs> It's adventure with Barry Craig on NBC.
Chesterfield. Chesterfield, first with premium quality and best for you. Chesterfield brings you Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to auto theft detail. You arrested one member of an organized ring of thieves. You're after the head man of the gang. Your job, get him. Here is Chesterfield's record with smokers. And important to you. No adverse effects to the nose, throat, and sinuses from smoking Chesterfield. That's the report of a doctor who has been examining a group of Chesterfield smokers for a full year and two months. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield. First with premium quality. Chesterfield. First choice of young America. And that's from a survey made in 274 colleges and universities. Try Chesterfields today. Chesterfield. Regular or king size. They're much milder. And best for you. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Wednesday, June 24th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of auto theft detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. We were at the main jail, and it was 8.14 a.m. when we got to the second floor, the interview room. Sit down, Sloan. Yeah. Right there. You guys start pretty early in the morning, don't you? Yeah, once in a while. You got a cigarette? Yeah, there you are. Thanks. I never feel like I'm alive until I've had a cigarette in the morning. How about a match? Here. like it, that first cigarette. All right, what's this all about? You know that as well as we do. A few questions we want to ask. All right, go ahead and ask. What's your part in the setup? I don't know what you're talking about. No, it won't work, Sloan. We got the whole story from Summers. Well, then what do you need from me? Just like to check out a few things. What do you mean you got the whole story from Summers? What did he say? He told us everything he knows about the setup. From what he says, you're the key man. Everything goes through you. He said then? Yeah. You believe him? Got no reason not to. That's why we're here. It's your side of the story. How much he tell you? He said everything he knows. Yeah. Yeah, that figures. You get a guy with a yen like that, and as soon as the roof starts to drop, they spill their insides out. That's the trouble with doing business with hypes. You always run into it. Yeah, well, let's hear your side, huh? Sure. I knew going in, if you locked Summers up, you'd break. Just a matter of time before he started seeing things and talked all over the place. Why don't you do a little of the same? I got no choice. Where do you want me to start? How about the beginning? It's as good a place as any, I guess. All right, who's the big gun in the setup? Well, you're not going to believe well, this. why don't you try us? I don't know who he is. I haven't got the slightest idea, and that's the truth. You're asking us to buy the fact you work for a guy you don't know. I don't care if you buy it or not. That's the way it is. I don't know who the big man is. How'd he get your orders? He calls me. Where? My place. When? When I got something for him. How does he know? We got a set time each day he calls in. He tells me what he wants done. I tell him what's going on. What happens if you want to talk to him and it's not the time? Huh? Nothing. I got to wait. How do you get paid? He calls me and tells me where to go. I show up there and the dough's waiting. All right, now you start at the beginning. Give us the whole story. 
All right, I got in town about six months ago. Where from? Outside of Chicago. All right. I laid around town for a few days, and I get this rumble that maybe I can pick up a job. Where'd you hear it? Oh, just around. I couldn't tell you where it was, a word here, another one there. Just around. All right, go ahead. Well, I'm home one day, and the phone rings. I answer it, and the guy asked me if I wanted to go to work for him. I'm on my opera, so I asked him what he wanted me to do, and he springs this car heist thing on me. I told him I wanted no part of it. Yeah. He kept on talking, kept telling me how I was such a sweet, clean racket, how we could work it without being tagged. Finally, I told him I might be willing to sit down and talk to him about it. Mm -hmm. He says no go. That he didn't want anybody to know who he was, and that went from me, too. He told me he'd swing the operation on What do you mean, swing it? Well, he said he'd tell me how to set it up, how to make it work, who to contact. That he had the organization already, but he needed a man to take charge of the L.A. part of it. He told me that I was the guy he wanted. Well, Slum, how'd he happen to come to you? I don't know. I did time when I was a kid for Grand Theft Auto. First time, I got off light. What'd you do the time? New York State. All right, go on. Well, maybe he got a rumble about that. He knew that I was down. Maybe he figured that I was the guy to handle it for him. I don't know why. He just called. Do you have any idea who this man on the phone was? No. I thought about it a lot. I tried to come up with an answer, but there just wasn't any. At least, none that I could find. Might have been somebody you met back east. I don't know. Could be. I got no way of knowing. The way the deal worked out, I didn't have any reason to get nosy. This guy really had it figured out like a charm. I still don't know how you tagged us. How about it? You tell me. You know better than Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. All right, go ahead. What happened after you talked to this guy? Well, I wasn't real anxious right off. I told him I'd have to think about it, you see. Yeah. Next day, he calls again. Told me he wanted to tell me the deal, lay it out for me. If I thought it was good, I could go along with it. Otherwise, we could call it quits. I was just about to get bounced out of my room, so I listened. We must have talked for about an hour. Yeah. That's when he laid it out for me. The way it looked, the plan couldn't miss. Wasn't anything he hadn't thought of all along the line. He had the leaks all plugged up tight, you see. All right. How'd this deal work? I thought Summers gave you the lineup. Yeah, he did, but we'd like to hear it from you, you, all right? You sure you ain't trying to con me into something? You said it yourself. You've got no choice now, have you? (sighs) Well, the way it worked was smooth, real smooth. The boss, that's what I called him, he'd call me, tell me what kind of car he wanted. I'd get in touch with one of the boys and pass the order on, you see? Yeah. Hype would steal the car, call me. Who? Some hype would steal the car and call me right away, tell me where he had the car. Then the boss would call, and I'd tell him. He'd drive by, look at the car. If he okayed it, he'd call me, and I'd tell the fellow that stole it to get it rolling. They'd drive it to Mexico, huh? Yeah. First off, I'd meet him and give him enough money to get back here, though. And after that, they'd switch the plates in the car and then shove up. Where'd you get the plates? Oh, the boss would get them someplace. Then they'd be delivered to me. Always cold plates. I, I think he probably got them off of used car lots. I don't know, but that's the way it looked like to me. You see? Yeah. What happened then? Well, the guy'd drive the car straight through. He'd deliver the car to a contact down at Tijuana. What about the payoff from Mexico? How'd they work that? Well, that went through me, too. I'd get a call from the boss. He'd tell me where the meat was. I'd show up and pick up a paper bag with the narcotics. That the way the stolen cars were paid for? Narcotics? Yeah. Heroin was the best, so by the time we cut it down, it went a long way. What'd you do with the stuff? Well, some of it I'd use for paying off the hype that lifted the car, and the rest went on to the boss. How'd you get it to him? He'd call me, tell me where to leave it. Maybe an alley downtown, a telephone pole on Central. Once in a fountain right in front of City Hall. Every time, though, it's a different place. Yeah. Is it possible any of the others might know who he is? Ah, I talked to him. None of them know. I don't think they're holding on. Yeah. This boss, he ever say anything that could let you know where he was calling from? No. How about his voice? You get anything from that? What do you mean? You have an accent, something like that? No, nothing. He talked just like you and me. There's one thing, though. What's that? He's been around. He knows the tricks. He knows about me, everything I've ever done. The way he talks, you know he knows all the rackets. Mm-hmm. He ever sent you anything through the mail? Oh, what do you mean? Like with a postman? That's right. No. A couple of times he. Sent me a batch of plates to use on the cars, but they come by messenger. One of the companies here? No, just a guy. I asked them who sent them, but they couldn't tell me. Couldn't or wouldn't? I ain't sure, but I really don't think they knew. It's always a different guy each time. Never the same one twice. You got some of the plates around? No, we used the last one on the car last night. When does the boss usually send them to you? Depends on how many cars we've taken. He keeps track. When we're out of cold plates, another batch of them shows up. It depends on the cars, you think? 
How about the other men working with you? The ones here in town. You give us a list of them? If I do, it makes me a pretty big think. If you don't, it's going to make you big trouble. I suppose so. There's nothing you guys can promise me for this. You know the answer to that, too. We can see that the district attorney's office knows about the help he gave us. That's all we can do. That's better than nothing. Okay, I'll give you the names. Now, when this goes to trial, we can figure you'll be a witness for the state. Against who? Well, this boss, whoever he is. Sure, if you can get him, I don't think you will, though. Is that right? Sure, it stands to reason. I worked for the guy and never got to see him. He ain't going to want to see the police. Well, he's a little like you, isn't he? Huh? He's got no choice. We got the list of names from the suspect, and then we checked with Captain Carl Shy, Narcotics Division. He assigned two men to work with us on the case. We got in touch with the sheriff's department and filled Sergeant Judge Shelton in on the development. A call was put into Al Gayton at San Diego, and he said that he'd get in touch with the Mexican authorities and line up the cooperation we needed from them. The name of the contact in Tijuana was given to them, but they were unable to locate the suspect. We asked the stats office to make a new run on the M.O. of the auto thefts in an attempt to come up with a new lead on the head of the ring of thieves. They turned up six leads that were checked out. They netted us nothing. We got in touch with the state highway patrol, and we worked out a system to intercept any cars that might be stolen in the future by the same gang. The plan was that in the event we received a call regarding a stolen vehicle, we'd put it on the air with the heading of the code word Alex. This would alert all police officers between Los Angeles and the Mexican border. The men named for us by the suspect Harry Sloan were all taken into custody. Further interrogation netted us no new information. In the meantime, the leader of the gang had apparently succeeded in setting up a new group of thieves and was operating again. The thefts continued through the next month. During that time, all precautions were taken to keep the stolen cars from getting to the border, but the speed with which the gang operated made apprehending them almost impossible. The radio operation with patrol units along the highway was tried, but by the time the cars were reported stolen to us and we were able to get a broadcast out on them, they were already across the border. Thursday, July 30th, Frank and I checked into the office. I'll check the book. Right. Anything? No, it's call here from Fay, that's all. You know, Skipper sure hacked about this thing, huh? Can you blame him? No, I suppose not. He's got a lot of people leaning on him. I don't know, Joe. It's about time the brakes start falling on our side. Well, we've been saying that for a long time, too. It doesn't seem to do much good. Even when we do nail the big gun, we're going to have to prove it, and that isn't going to be easy. Yeah. The way he's got it worked out, it's going to be awful tough to build a case that'll stick. Well, he doesn't handle the narcotics. He doesn't handle the money. All he does is okay the jobs. Yeah, but there's got to be an outlet for the heroin. Well, where's he getting rid of it? That's a good question. You know, we've been trying to come up with the answer a long time. No rumbles, informants don't know anything. I get it. Auto theft Friday. Yes, ma'am. Well, maybe we can help you. Yes, ma'am, huh? Well, yes. Well, could we meet you? Oh, no, ma'am. You won't be involved. Yeah, well, what's that address again? Yes, ma'am. We'll be there. Oh, about ten minutes? What's that? No, ma'am. Just my partner. Yes, that's right. All right. See you then. Right. Goodbye. Well, maybe this is a break. Who was it? Woman. She wouldn't give us her name. She said that wasn't important. She wants us to meet her. What about? Something to do with used cars. Ten ten a.m. Frank and I left the office and drove to Hollywood to meet the woman who called in. She said that she wanted to meet us in one of the coffee shops along Vine Street. We drove out the new freeway to Hollywood Boulevard and then down to Vine Street. We parked the car and walked up to the coffee shop. The girl on the phone had refused to give us her name, so Frank and I had no way of knowing who she might be. She told me to take a booth at the back of the restaurant and that she'd find us. Frank and I sat down and ordered a cup of coffee and we waited. There was no sign of the caller. 11 a.m. She still hadn't shown up. We were about ready to leave when a tall woman, well-dressed, in her middle 30s came in. She stopped at the door, looked around the place, and then she headed for our booth. Joe. That might be. 
No, she's heading for the next booth. Are you from the police? What? Are you a policeman? No, why? Never mind. Are you from the cops? Yes, ma'am. I'm the one who called you and told you to meet me here. Yes, ma'am. I'm Joe Friday. This is my partner, Frank Smith. You got some way to prove it? Ma'am? Prove that you're cops. I don't want to talk to nobody who ain't a cop. Yes, ma'am. Here's my ID card. Oh, yeah. That's you, all right. Yes, ma'am. How about you? Yes, ma'am. Here's mine. Oh, yeah. Oh, say, that's a real nice picture. You put on some weight, haven't you? Would you like to sit down, ma'am? We can get started on this. Oh, yeah, sure. Now, what was your name? You don't need that. It doesn't make any difference. All right. We order you something, maybe? Yeah, I'd like a Coke. All right. I'll get it, Joe. You make sure it's a real Coke, though. Genuine. All right, ma'am. I'm sorry I'm late. I got tied up. That's all right, ma'am. I wonder if we can get started. Well, I was across the street waiting by the radio station. Yes, ma'am. Uh, waiting for that singer. Uh, oh, what's his name? You know who I mean. The cute one with the curly hair. Oh, I never can think of his name. Anyway, I was waiting for him to come out. He's doing a show over there, you know. He's a wonderful voice, and he's so cute. Uh-huh. Now, what's this all about, this thing you want to tell us? It's crazy kids and their autograph books. I couldn't even get near him. Miserable. I wonder if we could get out of business here, ma'am. You said on the phone that you could give us some information? Yeah, I think I can help you out. It seems to me that you might want to talk to this man. What's his name? Well, maybe I ought to tell you about him first, and then if you want to know his name, I can tell you that. All right, ma'am. Go ahead. Here's a Coke, ma'am. Oh, thanks. Mm, all right, that's good. It's cold. Do you want to go on? On? Yes, ma'am. About the man? Oh, yeah. Well, there's this fellow, and he's got an office in the building where I work. Where would that be? A corner of Hollywood and Dick Street. Right on the corner. Ninth floor. Elevator's always out of order. Yes, ma'am. Well, he's got this office, and I see him a lot. You know what? The elevator? Maybe down at the magazine rack in the lobby. Anyway, I see him a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, about a week ago, he asked me for a date. Just like that. Come up to me while I was looking at TV stars parade. That's a magazine. Uh-huh. All about television stars, where they work, what they're like. All interesting things like that, like do they like garlic and what kind of knot do they use in their ties. All interesting things like that. So this man asked you for a date, huh? Came up just like brass and asked me out. Well, first off, I was kind of flattered. You know, he's pretty nice. Drives a nice car and all, but I told him I couldn't go out with him. And then I told him that I thought he should be ashamed of himself. I told him he should be ashamed of himself. Yes, ma'am. Sure. See, I knew he was married. Nice little wife, real cute. I saw her a couple of times around the building. Lately, she hasn't been too well. He's real cute. Imagine him asking me out and him a married man. Well, yes, ma'am, but why do you think that the police might be interested in him? I'm coming to that. Mm, That was good. Well, I kind of checked around, you know, to see what this guy did and what business he was in. Yes, ma'am. He's in the used car business, sells old cars. I see. That's it. Sells used cars in an office building. Not even a lot. Nothing. Has a glass door. Is there any lettering on it? Yeah, I thought about that, too, but there isn't. No, that's all he's got, just this little tiny office, desk, and a couple of chairs. Glass door. Well, ma'am, there's nothing illegal in that, you know. Oh, yeah, but he doesn't have a license. No, sir, he doesn't have a license. Beg pardon? I work for a lawyer. Alphabetical filing, G to O. I asked my boss if you didn't have to have some kind of license to sell cars, and my boss says you do. This man doesn't have one. He goes out and buys these old cars and then fixes them up and sells them, and he doesn't have a license. Well, not only that, the man he sells the cars to. Oh. Why do you say that? Well, because I do, that's why. 
Always come in the office, and they sit there and talk and talk, and then they leave. I've been in the hall sometimes, and they laugh, and they're real spooky guys, real spooky. Well, what's the matter, man? Man that just came in. The one with the kind of blonde hair. You see him? Yes, ma'am. What about him? Isn't that... Oh, what's his name? I know it as well as I know my own. He stars in all those space things, you know, like the Saturn Saga and the Martian Maniac that was on last week, and this fellow, that one that just came in. Well, he had on this kind of suit, all covered with lights, a space suit. It was so cute. Yes, ma'am. Well, if you'll tell us the name of the man in your building, we'll check on him. Oh, there's more to the story. Ma'am? There's more. I'm not finished. All right, would you like to sit down and go on? Oh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> day before yesterday, I'm standing by the elevator, and one of this man's customers come out of the office. He walks over to the elevator. Mm-hmm. He reached into his pocket and took out a cigarette, kept the pack up here in the pocket up here. You know, here, with the handkerchief. Yes, ma'am. Well, when he pulled the pack out, he dropped a little package. Fell right on the floor, and he didn't see it. Right away, he got into the elevator and went down, and I went over and picked it up, a little tiny thing. Got it right here in my purse. I was going to give it to the man, and then I thought maybe I better come to you. I saw a picture of a thing like this in the newspaper once. Here it is. Well, you just look at that. There, you see? Yes, ma'am. What is it, Joe? Harold. Eleven forty a.m. We continued to talk to the woman. She gave us the name of the man who ran the used car agency in her building, Ralph Holland. She also gave us a description of him and a description of the man she'd seen drop the narcotics. We went back to the office and checked the name through R&I. Holland had a record listing one arrest on suspicion of violation of the State Narcotic Act. The date of the arrest was August 17, 1937. He'd been released for lack of evidence. We checked the name in the phone book and came up with a business and a residence address. He lived with his wife in a large tract out in the San Fernando Valley. 1.15 p.m. Frank and I drove out to talk with Holland's neighbors. They told us that the family was known and respected throughout the area. None of them could recount any actions that might cause suspicion. They told us the Hollands had lived in the house for the past five years, but that Mrs. Holland had said that the family was planning to move into town. From the neighbors, we found out that Mrs. Holland was a semi-invalid and rarely left the house. We called the office and arranged for a stakeout on the house, and then we drove back into Hollywood to talk with Holland's business associate. From them, we got the same story. Ralph Holland was a respected member of the community and was a member of several civic clubs. None of his friends could tell us much about his business activities. We did learn, however, that many of his friends couldn't figure how the family could live at the scale that they did. They said that Holland had a good business, but they couldn't see how he could afford the new cars that he drove or the new house he was planning to move into. By 46 p.m., we checked back into the office and talked with Captain Nelson. Well, it should take us a couple of days to get the information back from the banks. Yeah. In the meantime, we got a lot of walking to do. It's going to be tough. Well, Skipper said we could have all the help we needed. You got in touch with narcotics? Yeah, I called him this morning. They'll give us a hand. Yeah, rough duty, isn't it? What do you mean? Well, we figured the guy's guilty, looks good for it. Now the big job. Yeah. Got to prove it. You are listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. Years ahead of them all. Chesterfield is years ahead of all cigarettes. Chesterfield quality is highest. Here's the proof. Recent chemical analyses give an index of good quality for the country's six leading cigarette brands. The index of good quality table, which is a ratio of high sugar to low nicotine, shows Chesterfield quality highest. Chesterfield quality highest. 15% higher than its nearest competitor. Chesterfield quality highest. 
31% higher than the average of the five other leading brands. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield, first with premium quality and best for you. Try Chesterfield today, regular or king size. Friday, July 31st, the legwork started. Two teams of men were assigned from auto theft detail to help us, and Narcotics sent two more teams to work with us. For the next three weeks, Ralph Holland was kept under 24-hour surveillance. A stakeout was maintained on his house and on his office. His business records were checked. From these, we came up with an estimate of what the suspect's income was. Then we began to check his expenditures. As a result, we found that he had control of at least $250,000 that his business could not account for. Everyone who visited the Hollands, either at their home or at his office, was checked on. Among his visitors, we found several known narcotic dealers. The auto thefts continued, but by now the code system had begun to work. From July 31st to August 25th, 16 cars were stolen that we attributed to Holland's operation. All of them were recovered between Los Angeles and the Mexican border. All of the drivers of the cars were taken into custody, but none of them could give us any information to aid us in obtaining a conviction. During that time, Holland didn't make any attempt to handle any narcotics. A dictograph had been placed in his office, and all of his conversations were monitored, but nothing incriminating was said. We got the address of the new home the suspect had bought, and a complete set of listening equipment was installed there. From the time the couple moved into the house, their conversations were monitored 24 hours a day. The recordings were played for Captain Nelson, Captain Shy of Narcotics Division, and for the men from the district attorney's office. They agreed that there wasn't enough evidence to issue an indictment. Friday, August 28th, Frank and I checked into the listening post. You might as well sit down, Frank. we got a long night. Going to be better with a speaker. What? Fellas downtown putting a speaker, see? Earphones get too heavy. Oh, yeah. I was talking to Guy Anderson. He was out here. Said by the time you sit with those things on your head for a couple of hours, feels like somebody shot your ears full of Novocaine. Yeah. Speaker's better. Yeah, I imagine so. Easier, too. Mm-hmm. Well, better turned on, huh? Yeah. Holland, come home yet? Just walked in before we got here. Oh, there they come. Like they're in the living room, huh? Yeah. Want to take a trip with me? Where to? Oh, that man, we drive down south. You know, I figured I'd go to Mexico. Oh, I got it, honey. And anybody else to send? Things been rough lately. Been picking the boys up as fast as I can find them. Why didn't you call it quits? You've made enough. Just about to do that, honey. That's the last trip. I'm glad of that. Honey, I don't like it. Maybe I'm just getting jittery, but I swear there've been men watching the house. Here. Thank you, Jim. Frank and I, along with the men from Narcotics Division, were parked down the street from the Holland home. 
At 8.36 a.m., we saw the couple come out of the house and get into Ralph Holland's car. They drove out to Sepulveda Boulevard and they turned south. All units of the state police had been notified to watch for the car. Members of the sheriff's department were stationed along the road just outside Del Mar. If we could take Holland into custody while he was in the possession of a stolen car and confront him with the stories of the two suspects we picked up earlier, George Summers and Harry Sloan, we felt that there was a good chance that he might confess. In any event, we'd be able to bring him to trial on a grand theft auto charge. The meet was made with the man who'd stolen the car as scheduled, and Holland started to drive south to the border. Men from the sheriff's department took the thief into custody, and we followed Holland. About four minutes later, he pulled the car over to the side of the road in front of a small coffee stand. He and his wife got out of the car, and they went into the place. We drove by, and then we doubled back and parked about 100 yards up the road from the stand. All right, let's go. The boy should be around back by now. Yeah. All right, come on. Out the end of the counter. Yeah. You Ralph Holland? Yes, what do you want? You driving that green Buick out there? Yeah, so what? wonder if we can see the registration papers on the car. What for? Police officers. We'd like to see the registration papers. <laughs> Right. You got no right to hit him like that. We weren't doing anything. You got no right. Now, come on, Holland. Funny thing. You, you Watch out. Play a little rough, don't you? We didn't call it. You did. All right, hands are back here. Stand still. How about it? He's clean. You guys sure got a lot of nerve to come in here and beat him up like this. Who tipped you? Who finked out? Well, don't worry about it. Somebody had to, but there wasn't anybody that knew. Nobody at all. How'd you find out? All right, come on. It's perfect. All the way around. Where'd I go sour? When'd I make the mistake? When you started. to protect the innocent. On January 14th, trial was held in Department 89, Superior Court of the State of California in and for the County of Los Angeles. In a moment, the results of that trial. Now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. Next time you buy cigarettes, I wish you'd kind of keep us in mind and remember what we've told you about Chesterfield. First, with premium quality, highest quality, in both regular and king size. You smoke a couple of packs and you'll see what I mean. Chesterfields are milder with a wonderful taste. And you want to remember this. Chesterfield is America's best cigarette buy. See for yourself, won't you? Ralph P. Holland was tried and convicted on 12 counts grand theft auto. His wife, Mildred R. Holland, was tried and convicted of one count grand theft auto. Seven other members of the gang were apprehended and brought to trial on the same charges. They all receive sentences as prescribed by law. Grand theft auto is punishable by imprisonment in the state penitentiary for a period of not less than one or more than ten years. Four suspects were apprehended and tried on charges of violation of the State Narcotic Act of felony. They were convicted and received terms as prescribed by law. Violation of the State Narcotic Act of felony is punishable by imprisonment in the state penitentiary for a period of not less than one nor more than six years. <laughs> Her Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Van Sprasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Stacey Harris, Virginia Gregg, Vic Perrin. Script by John Robinson. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. For a million laughs, tune in Chesterfield's Martin and Lewis show Tuesday on this same NBC station. 
and sound off for Chesterfield. Either regular or king size, you'll find premium quality Chesterfield much milder. Chesterfield is best for you. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet transcribed from Los Angeles. Now, new Fatima has the tip for your lips. Fatima tips of perfect cork. King size for natural filtering. Fatima quality for a much better flavor and aroma. So remember, new Fatima has the tip for your lips. Fatima. See how smooth they are. Remember, Fatima is made by the makers of Chesterfield, Liggett and Myers, one of tobacco's most respected names. <laughs> 